Well, here's a question for the RBA. A big increase in those working, but also far fewer jobs around, it seems. So what do they do? It's possibly an easier choice for the Bank of England. GDP is going nowhere, mortgage defaults, and the Bank of England reckons inflation will come down this quarter. And in the US, well, there's greater hope that inflation has peaked there with a bigger-than-expected fall in producer prices. So are we there yet? Well, maybe soon. It's Friday, the 14th of April, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. And another fall in the US dollar. It's down half percent on the DXY, about 11% lower than it was six months ago and getting close to where it was a year ago. The euro is up half a percent. The pound is up 0.3%. But the Aussie dollar up almost one and a half percent today, getting very close to 68 US cents. Bond yields pushing higher in the US. Ten-year Treasury is up six basis points. The front end, well, uh, two years fell to 3.89%, quite a fall, back up to 3.97% now, which is my marginally down on yesterday and not much going on with 10 years in Europe. Uh, German bunds and UK gilts haven't really moved if we look at, at the, the day trend. Uh, US equities are all on the up, 2% up for the NASDAQ, 1.4% for the S&P 500 and 1.1% for the Dow. In Europe, a 0.7% rise in the Eurostoxx 50, 1.1% for the CAC Courant and a quarter percent rise for the FTSE 100. And oil, well, it was heading up yesterday, curiously. Well, today it's decided it's going to head down a one drop in Brent and a 1.2% fall in WTI. But let's start today with Australian employment numbers from yesterday with NAB's David DeGaris in London this morning. So we've seen a big rise in the Aussie dollar, Dave. Three-year yields were up six basis points yesterday to 2.95%. They've fallen a few basis points since that on futures overnight. Uh, But this is obviously an expectation of higher rates, isn't it? A little bit, um, you know, given that we've got supposedly more evidence of a tight labour market from that data yesterday. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the the way the market has has read it, Phil, that, um, you know, what was a pretty strong reports, you know, whichever way you slice it and dice it, you know, whether you're looking at the employment growth, um, whether you're looking at the unemployment rate still at three and a half percent, increased hours work. Uh, I mean, that's all going to add to demand, isn't it? Well, but, I mean, in terms of numbers of people, 53,000 more people in work in March, uh, which is double expectations. Take it over two months, it's 117,000. Yes, Yes, well, of course, that that previous month followed a couple of one or two week ones, didn't it? But nevertheless, Mm. uh, I grant you, it's going to add to demand. But I think the the other side of that is we've got to to remember that this sort of reflects, you know, what what the demand for labour is, is, but also how the supply of labour is playing out in the labour market as well. So maybe it's a sign that, um, you know, those big immigration numbers that we've been seeing recently is feeding through to the labour market as well. Yeah. And they're coming and they're getting jobs. Well, Indeed. if you look at the trend line of where we were before the pandemic in terms of the number of people employed, mm. we have now basically resumed that trend. So we're yes. uh, close to 13.9 million people employed now, yes. up from less than 13 million just before the pandemic. Yeah. Ignore the slump during those you know pandemic years yes. and draw a straight line. And, you know, it's pretty close to where we are. All those British doctors that have gone to Australia, I think, Phil. <laughs> That's what it is, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And the employment, here's the other interesting thing as well. The employment ratio in February 2020 yeah. was 62.5. Now it's 64.4. Uh, and it sort of plateaued over the last few months because obviously, you know, to your point about immigration, we're seeing more people coming in. Mm-hmm. So job numbers going up, but the population's going up as well. So we've indeed, sort of plateaued. Indeed. You know, so, uh, I mean, 
That's that, why it's steady uh, to higher participation rate on a bigger population base. So yeah. pretty powerful, right? Yeah. So does that mean the labour market is really getting that much tighter? I mean, jobs are growing, but the population is growing, so output is increasing. I mean, that potentially that's a win-win. So how does the RBA take to that? Well, I think I think it's uh, the last few months have been neutral on that score. So we've seen, mm. you know, the, 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 the sick job ads have sort of done nothing for a few months now. Uh, and that survey is reporting what they call applications per advertisement fill. That's showing yep. signs of rising and reporting the difficulty of finding labour is easing a little bit. Uh, it's still pretty, t- it's still a tight labour market. I mean, the unemployment rate at three and a half percent is what the lowest since the 1970s. So it's still very tight, but it probably hasn't tightened a lot more. And of course, we'll see how that's going to play out in the wages numbers. But we've already seen in the NAB, the latest NAB business survey, the labour cost growth was down in March. And and look at the employment numbers today. Maybe that reflects that um, wages growth has ebbed a little bit. Anyway, we'll, we'll find out when the wage price index comes out in another month or two. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but those, those seek numbers, because of course we got those yesterday for, mm. for job ads, they fell 0.6% in March, but they are still up. One percent over the last three months, and yes. they've fallen more than twenty percent since their peak in May last year through to yes. December. But they're stabilising now. But I mean, that number of applications per job ad yes. is still thirty-five percent low below where it was just before the pandemic. Yes, so that's still yes. tight, isn't it? Yes, yes, Ab- absolutely, Phil. You got those numbers down, Pat. I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah, it's what I do, you know. <laughs> we don't just throw this together. I so know. anyway, I don't know. Put all of that together and where does it make us all stand? I mean, it's still an open question mark for the RBA, isn't it? Well, I think for the RBA, Phil, it all depends. I mean, to state the obvious, it all depends upon the inflation figures. So mm. uh, as well as things like rent and so forth, we know that, that story. But as far as the labour market is concerned, the price of labour and how that feeds through to the service sector... Uh, it's how all this is playing out in terms of wages growth, and I think that's the important thing. So I'm just all, all I would caution is three and a half percent unemployment rate. Let's not just infer that wages are going to accelerate from here. It all depends on how the supply and demand for labour is um, is mm. working out and how that's playing out in the labour market in real time. Real t- uh, real time. And possibly it is plateauing, so maybe not. Maybe they won't go up. But anyway, let's uh, let's look at. I tell you what is plateauing. Uh, output in the UK, their GDP. Well, the IMF said basically their GDP was going to fall this year, didn't they? The, they the did. World Economic Outlook was published in full uh, yesterday. The UK economy falling 0.3 percent, worse than Germany's expected to fall by 0.1, uh, worse than Russia, which is actually expected to grow by 0.7 percent. So you can throw a whole lot of sanctions at a country, and it still does better uh, than the UK does. Uh, Australia's going to grow 1.6 percent, the same as the US. But mm-hmm. we saw some evidence of that flatlining in the UK because the actual GDP number, just the monthly number, yes. uh, was out overnight. Zero growth in February, down from 0.4% in January, uh, which has been revised up a little. But yes. uh, but of course, it was down 0.5% in December. Yes. So average them all out and you sort of get, you know, it is pretty, well, pretty, pretty it, flatlining, it, isn't it? The, the way most people look at it is, um, what does it mean for the quarterly average growth? So, yeah. I, in fact, I was looking at what the Bloomberg consensus is for the first quarter of this year. And uh, the market expects, you know, this and the next quarter, the March quarter and the June quarters will be small negatives, you know, minus 1.1, minus 0.2 of, of that yeah. ilk. So far, if you average, you know, the, those month to months into sort of quarterly averages, it's it's 
even with uh, 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 the strike effects, which are measurable on, today, on, on these numbers today, right? Yeah, and there's yeah. probably a bit more of that coming in March. Um, it, it's escaped a negative number. So there will be payback in terms of positive you know, statistical effects from people going back to work after the strikes in, in the second quarter of this year. So, well, I've, um, done, I've done more numbers on this as well. You'll be pleased. Oh, well done. Because if, if you look at the sectors where it's down, those GDP yes. numbers are down. Yes. Uh, a 1% fall in public administration, 1.7% fall in education. You know, yes. this is where the strikes are. Uh, indeed, indeed, uh, indeed. So, but arts and entertainment up 1.7%, construction yes. up 2.5%. I know yes. it's just a month, mining up 3%. So, it's the, the areas which have been hit by strikes, the areas where we're seeing the falls. And the consumer facing services. You know, mm. where, where it counts, I guess, you might want to call that market, you know, market-related output that was up 0.4 after 0.3. So yeah. it's one yeah. of those cases where the headline's a bit worse than, than the details would suggest. So some of the doomsayers from the like of the IMF might, you know, the market has been too negative on the UK economy, hasn't it, for about six to nine months now. And then it keeps on surprising. Yeah, it so does. why do so... But, but so what does the the Bank of England do then? I mean, uh, Hugh Pill was talking, and he's fairly optimistic that wage rises will ease yes. as inflation falls, and he says inflation is going to fall in Q2, which is where we are now, of course. Well, that would suggest that they should be almost done, doesn't it? Yeah, that, those sorts of headlines. So. But then the same, I noticed in the question and answers, he was talking about a positive big demand shock coming. I'm not mm. quite sure what that is. Does that mean? from lower energy prices, but, you know, that should produce lower headline inflation if that's the case. But a bit of this way and that way, I think. But um, nevertheless, you'd have to expect that the, that the Bank of England is nearly done from here. But, Phil, they have surprised us before, so maybe we haven't finished that story just yet. Well, they've got rising mortgage defaults as well. You know, I mean, they're taking a hit in the housing sector. So a net 14% of mortgage lenders said they had uh, uh, more of an increase in defaults in the yes. three months to the end of February. Yes. So uh, quite an uptick from 1.4% for the three months before that. So so that's a problem for them. That, that, but then, that, that, that sort of followed, didn't it, the, um, the trust quieting episode. But I noticed that also <laughs> suge- suggesting that mortgage availability had increased this quarter and the RICS house price balance still deeply negative in March, but mm. not as negative as it, ha- it was, say, three to six months ago. And right. um, so maybe a couple of glimmers of light then. And you've also got, not unlike in Australia, the lettings market here, the rental market is still super tight, Phil. Yeah, but Dave, milk is coming down in price. So Tesco, the biggest UK supermarket, they released their annual earnings, revenue up seven point two percent, but their profit half. So they've been that seven point two percent, obviously largely price driven, but they uh, half their profit. So they've been feeling the squeeze. I mean, they're still making a mozza, so one point uh, one billion a year pre tax, but. They are now bringing down the price of milk. So that has got to be a sign that inflation uh, on food, at least, is easing. That's, I mean, you know, let's take that as a positive for the UK. I think so. And we've seen signs that food prices globally are starting to, to flatten out, haven't we? Food and energy. Mm. So that's bringing headline inflation down. I mean, US inflation's down, what, over four percentage points from its peak. Now, I know the UK hasn't come down that much yet, but... Um, uh, they're sort of f- firmly in the Bank of England's forecast and, and most analysts right now. Right. But, I mean, we're seeing much clearer signs, aren't we, of prices coming down in the US. So the PPI numbers of the producer price index, Again, the core number, correct. month on month for March, a negative number. 
minus 0.1 compared to a 0.3% increase that was expected. Uh, so that's got to be a positive sign. And then on top of that, jobless claims up last week from 200, mm. uh, 228,000 the week before to 239,000 new claims. So two factors there that could help bring inflation down. Yeah, so I think that the tenor of the jobless claims that we've been discussing nearly every week have been flatlining. I mean, there's been a, a revision going back a couple of years and suddenly we've got a trend rise in jobless claims now. So mm. that has changed. That sort of fits a little bit more, doesn't it, with the increased layoff announcements that we've seen. Yeah. And as you said, PPI, and, and that contained uh, what's called tr- the trade services component, which is retail and wholesale margins. That was down um, 0.9, I think it was, in the month of March. So that, that feeds through into the CPI as well in time. So yeah. people switching away from buying stuff to to experiences to services and the like so retailer margins under a bit of pressure there and uh, that should be good for holding back the cpi in, in the months ahead and the other possible contributor to lower inflation is uh, the china trade numbers that we saw yesterday so exports in march up 14.8 percent year on year so i mean that could signal an easing of supply chain disruptions if they're yes. exporting more stuff which obviously is is good for getting that inflation number down that, that was that was some big big beat wasn't it in yeah the market was expecting it to be down seven and it was up <laughs> up 15 almost 15 yeah Indeed. yeah so yeah, yeah so that's got to be a good sign yes well that, that, all of those supply chain I don't think anyone would deny that that's improving. Uh, So that, I mean, that just takes time, a little bit of time to feed through into the the consumer level, but it should do. And I don't know, in Australia's case, uh, Philip Lowe, the the RBA governor, has been saying, well, he expects, you know, goods prices from lower import prices to start flowing through to consumers. So it's, uh, it's probably a matter of time rather than if at this stage. So uh, the pricing for the May FOMC meeting, I think it's about 18 basis points at the moment. So yes. that, you know, looks like 25 basis points next time is, is on the cards. And then that is it, presumably. I mean, we, we're, we are seeing the US, uh, you know, the inflation, the outlook getting lower and lower. Well, you, you, you can't just keep on jacking up rates until you see a 2% inflation rate. You'll, you'll tip the economy into a much deeper yeah. recession if you do that. So they're getting to the point where, you know, if you think about the, the dot plots and what, what's in their forecast, where there's a consensus that they need to, to sit back and, and pause at least for a while. If not, that will be done, you know, if the signs of the economy slowing. So seems that that was likely to happen after May, Phil. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Read, that's out tonight. Their inflation expectations last time might remember went from uh, 4.1% down to 3.6% in a month so getting down to 3.6% um, 12 months out that's uh, that's quite a fall it from is. you know where they're going where they're going to be so we'll see where that is and also uh, we get retail sales of course they fell 0.4% in february uh, i think more of the same is expected isn't it so it, that you know we'll get another sign of how big that slowdown is in the united states and remember states. those those retail sales figures are nominal so given the undershoot mm. in the cpi this week there might be a little bit more might be a bit, little bit lower even in yeah. nominal terms all right. Well, we'll see what that brings. Good to talk, Dave. Have a great weekend, Cheers. and we'll catch you again next. I Cheers. think we're talking to you next week sometime, so I'll see you then. Cheers, Phil. Well, there we are. Short week, but a lot packed into it, wasn't there? And that's it for me for this week. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again on Monday morning. See you then. Thanks for listening.